Uh, my name is Ben Headley. I uh, was the youth minister here from 2003 till 2015. Um, and I will just say I am incredibly nervous. Um, it was funny, I walked in this morning and Sally Driver met me and she's like, are you speaking to me? I said, I am. She said, oh, I'm so excited. I said, well, Sally, we'll wait till I'm done. She said, no, I brought tomatoes. So I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do with that, but I'm hoping that Sally stays in the back some point not warming up in the bullpen, but, but, but as nervous as I've been, it's just been a reminder, you know, I did this, you know, for, from 1993 till, you know, 2015, and I just want to let you guys know how blessed we have been by the, the laymen who have stepped up and have been on our teaching team, and have, have brought us great messages through the time of transition that we have, have been in, and so again, my, my respect and appreciation for the the gentlemen who have, have put in great study and have, have broke the word for us, thank you guys. We appreciate that. That being said, we are looking forward to uh, the Bryce family uh, starting up in September. I'm really excited about that. But uh, I was asked to speak on Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, which is called the calling of Matthew, or if you were to look at it in Mark and in Luke, the calling of Levi. And don't think that it is not lost on me, the fact that the teaching team asked me, who used to be a youth minister and is now a CPA doing taxes, to speak on a tax collector who was called to go into ministry. <laughs> and I don't know if it's a coincidence or just amazing that they had me do this lesson on tax-free weekends. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I want to dive right into the text. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. This went on from there. He saw a man tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we take a look at this passage, we pray that you will just challenge our hearts. Father, that as we uh, just look at this small passage, that we will find words of encouragement to us, words of challenge to us, and ways that we can follow you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So here's the risk of asking a CPA to talk on a tax matter. Um, I used to, you know, do my best when I, was, when I was speaking to try and find things that could be entertaining and not dull to the audience. But now that I'm doing taxes, I've totally lost my gauge on that. So <laughs> I've got a bunch of information to give you on taxes because it sounds like one of the most entertaining and exciting topics that I can come to you with this morning. So you will probably learn more about ancient tax than you probably wanted to know, um, and you may be asking Sally for tomatoes yourself before it's all said and done, but let's take a look at this. Uh, in order for us to get an idea of why it's such a big deal that Jesus called a tax collector, it, it helps for us to understand what the view of the tax collector was in those days, and to start with that, we need to go back and when did this taxation start? So Alexander the Great conquered the known world at that time, and when he died, he did not have any heirs. And 
So the, some of his generals split the, the kingdom into four sections. And uh, Ptolemy was over the Judean area, and he pretty much decided, I'm going to leave my province to do what they want to as long as they pay their tribute. And the way they will pay their tribute is I'm going to go to the leaders in certain regions and say, you will owe this much. And how the leaders want to collect it, they are going to have chief tax collectors. A chief tax collector that we find in Scripture would be Zacchaeus. And the chief tax collectors would collect from a region of tax collectors who maintained booths or, you know, different toll areas. And Matthew was one of those. And so the toll guys would collect a certain amount of tax. They would pass it on to the chief tax collectors. Those chief tax collectors would then pass it on to whoever the the head of that area was, and they would pass the tribute on. And the way the, the tax collectors were chosen is they bid on how much they would generate in taxes for the region. And whoever bid the most got, got the job. So, and then the way they, they made money is they overtaxed on that. And so if I said that this region is worth 10,000 gold, that's what I've got I've to you know, give in, then for me to make money, I've actually got to tax the region on 12,000 or whatever. And the thing is, is there were no easy tax brackets. You could not go to the Judean Revenue Service's website and look up what your tax bracket would be to find out if I make this much money or I catch this many fish, how much do I have to pay? And so it was, it was confrontational from the very get-go because I've just come off from catching fish. I run into the toll guy and he says, you owe me this many fish and I'm stuck having to pay that. And it's just arbitrary to what he wants to collect. And the more, heaven forbid, I catch him on a bad day. Or heaven forbid that I give him too hard of a time and he doesn't like me. And then the next day he charges me more. And I complain more. And the next day he charges me more. Because they could do that. So another reason that the Jews did not like the tax, well, so after the Romans took over, they just left the same system in place. They just changed where the money ultimately went. Instead of, you know, you know the, the leaders giving it to, you know, the Ptolemies, the Herod passed it on to Rome. And so for the Jews, the taxation is, is particularly oppressive because they view themselves as God's people. And someone who has the ability to tax you has the ability to dominate you has the ability to exercise authority over you. You guys can choose not to pay the IRS. Now, I'm not saying don't pay the IRS, but I'm saying if you choose not to, watch what they will do. They have amazing authority to go out and start taking things from you and exact what they want from you. They have the authority, they have the power over you, and you can try and fight it, but you are going to most likely lose. And the Jews can say to, to whoever is taxing them, we refuse to pay this tax, but then the military comes in and enforces it. And for a people that views themselves as God's people to be under the rule of an, another government like that was just a reminder of the fact that they're not feeling that blessing right now. And you can look at the judges, you can look at the Old Testament time and time again. When the Jews were oppressed by a foreign power, it was because they, of their sin. And so they are looking at this and and every time they have to pass that toll and pay that tax, it's a reminder 
of Rome's oppression to them. They hate the tax collectors. Let's look at a couple of the nice things that Scripture says about tax collectors. So, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Or Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So the tax collectors and the, and the prostitutes, that's, that's nice association. You know, I'm sure that, you know, tax collectors are held in obviously high esteem from these two passages. And then there's a, this passage from rabbinic teaching. So I'll, I've got it up on the screen. As one robber disgraced his whole family, so one publican, or a tax collector, in a family promised, so one publican in a family, promises were not to be kept with murderers, thieves, and publicans. You could make a word to a murderer and a thief and a tax collector, and it was okay to break that word. So that is how these tax collectors are viewed. There's another passage that I read that said, according to rabbinic law, there was no hope for a tax collector. They were excluded from all religious fellowship, including the temple and synagogue. Their money was considered tainted, and it defiled anyone who accepted it. They could not serve as a witness in any court in Israel. The rabbis had no word to describe any sort of help for the tax collector because they expected him to externally conform to the law in order to be justified before God. So for a person to become a tax collector, they were pretty much rejecting their ability to go into the temple. They were rejecting their, their uh, association with the, the, uh, the teachers. They were cutting themselves off from the, the religious portion of, their, of who they were. And last week, Chris did a really good job in his teaching. He, he talked about the three different requests that were made to Jesus. He talked about how the pig, or the demons asked if they could go into the pigs, how the people asked if Jesus would leave the region, and then the man who had been healed of his demon possession asked if he could follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no. You know, Jesus was choosy in who he had follow him. And yet, here he is choosing Matthew. What a weird choice. You know, if I were to look at the observations from the calling of Matthew, the first thing I'd probably say is, God loves using the wrong people. You know, this is not a new theme. Matthew is not the first time we see this. Uh, God used a woman by the name of Rahab. Do you remember what she did? She was a prostitute. Um, God used a man by the name of King David, also an adulterer and a murderer. Uh, God used Jonah, a man who, who ran away from his direction. Um, I, I tell you, God can even use a little young man by the name of Alex, who 
gives his life to him. He says, I don't know how you're going to use me yet, but here I am. And if God can use old people, God can use young people, God can use prostitutes, God can use tax collectors, I would dare say God can even use you. Doesn't really matter what your past is. You know, an encounter with Jesus has, throughout Scripture we've seen, changes people. And I think some people think, oh, I'm, there's no way God could use me because of this, this, and this. I will say that when God decides to use you, he can make you into exactly what he needs you to be. But I will also say that God can do that with others as well. I want to take a look at uh, three, of, three of the different ways that the gospel writers talk about this passage. So first in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And then in Mark chapter 2.15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Then in Luke chapter 5, verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Do you see what Luke did there? Matthew and Mark, tax collectors and sinners. Luke, tax collectors and others. And, you know, what are, what's Jesus doing eating with these people in the first place? Matthew has accepted the calling. We, we see in verse 9 that he accepted the calling, and it says that he, he, he left everything to follow him. And I want to I stop for a second and... and and, and take a look at, at that for a moment. Because, first off, where, where, is, where is Matthew's booth? Matthew's booth is on the shore of Galilee, just outside of Capernaum. Who else is from Capernaum? Peter. What does Peter do? He fishes. Matthew's been taxing the fishermen off the Sea of Galilee. What do you think the odds are that Matthew and Peter have had run-ins together? What do you think the odds are that Matthew treated Peter totally fairly in all of those run-ins in the past? Who else was in Capernaum? There was a certain man who was a carpenter in Capernaum. What do you think are the odds that this carpenter and Matthew had run-ins before? And yet, when Jesus calls Matthew, it says he leaves everything. Now, I don't, I don't think that means he just ditched his booth and left. Because, again, a publican, in order for him to have a region, he says, I'm going to collect 5,000 gold or whatever from this region. He is on the hook for that, whether he collects it or not. And there are writings that show that there were times where publicans got ruined because they went out and they said, oh, we're going to collect this much tax. And then civil war rose up. And fields were burned and farmers couldn't produce. And other armies came in and possessed part of the land. And so the, the publicans could not collect taxes from that portion that was controlled by opposition forces. But at the end of the year, the publican was still responsible for that which he said he would collect. Matthew has said, I will collect a certain amount all year. And he is getting ready to step away from it. But Matthew still needs to close those accounts. And it is very possible 
that Matthew, it took his life savings to pay off his bid for the year that he was not going to continue to collect in following Jesus. And so I, I believe that Matthew, you know, Scripture says he left and followed him, but I believe that's saying that Matthew left everything. It cost Matthew potentially all that he had, he had acquired to close out his tax collecting so that he could follow Jesus. But he then has this party, and at, who's going to come to the party of a tax collector? Other tax collectors. And Matthew has no problem saying, yeah, these were the sinners. But I like Luke saying, these were others. Because you look at what Jesus says in response to them. First off, let me say this. We need to do a better job of seeing people the way God sees people. You know, yeah, we can call them sinners, but I think God also sees them as people. And in Matthew chapter 12, or verses 12 and 13, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That statement, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I remember I I had an opportunity to go to uh, Haiti and to uh, help with a medical team that was there. We did lots of things. They stretched my comfort zone in lots of different ways. But uh, one of the the things that I had the opportunity to do was to autoclave eye surgery um, implements so that they could be used for the next surgery. Now, let me tell you how much experience I have in autoclaving or cleaning um, surgical tools. Zero. How I got this job, I do not know. But they, they were showing me how to do it, how to get all the blood off the scalpels and all that stuff. And then they said, now you need to be very careful because one out of every four of our patients will have AIDS. Oh, let me tell you how much experience I have autoclaving surgical instruments prior to this. And I'm nervous there, but I remember asking them, I said, do you let them know that they have AIDS? And they said, no. I'm like, that's cruel, don't you think? And they said, no, what would be cruel is for us to tell them that they have something that they're not ever going to have an opportunity to get treated for where they are. And I think looking at this passage, if, if Jesus is the doctor and the church is the hospital, sometimes we do a really good job of telling people, you're sick. What they really need to do is come inside and get treated. You know, I, 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 I did a sermon several years ago talking about the holiness of God. I, I'm not backing off of that. I'm not saying God won't punish sinners. Actually, quite the opposite. God will punish sinners. As a result, we have to quit shunning them and do a better job of loving them, seeing them the way God sees them so that they can get treated, so that they can be restored. I think we, we saw that Jesus is a restorer. You know, we sang a song, an army to break every chain. If, we're going to, if the army's going to break every chain, then the army has to go to those who are chained. And needs to do a better job of loving them. The third thing that I learned from the calling of Matthew, this tax collector. Jesus, why did you call a tax collector? Um, it, goes to the, it goes to the end of his life. You know, a few weeks ago when Brady preached, he talked about uh, the end of each of the, of the apostles. How all the apostles, save for John, met a martyr's death. You know, 
We don't, scripture only tells us what happened to James. Tradition tells us what happened to the rest. Matthew, tradition tells us, he taught for another 15 years in Jerusalem, and then he went and he uh, ended up going to Ethiopia, and because of his preaching, he was stabbed to death. And one of the things that I appreciate about the apostles is that rather than stop doing what they were called to do, they all went to their death. Now, if Matthew, as a tax collector, has already shown in his past that he will reject his ability to go into the temple, he will reject his association with the, the rabbis to have a profession that allows him to make this money. If Jesus wasn't who he said he was, and Jesus didn't do the things that the disciples and the apostles said he did, don't you think that one of them would have given up? Won't you think one of them would have cracked and, and told that? I'm sure there were people bribing them to stop teaching. That there were people who said, if you will just come out and renounce the things that you have written about, you know, we'll give you this. If any of, if any of the apostles, if any of this would have done that, Matthew seems like the perfect candidate. But he was willing to go to his death rather than stop doing the ministry that he was called to do, to preach about the Lord and Savior that he followed and who had called you know, we don't see much in Scripture about Matthew. We get the, the calling of him, and that's pretty much it. And yet, I think we can learn from Matthew's life that God loves using the wrong people. That maybe we need to do a better job of seeing people the way God does. And that sometimes our past makes us the best witness that we can be. Will you bow with me? God, you are good, and we are so thankful that you use messed up people like us. Father, we pray that you help carve our hearts. Father, give us more of a heart like Jesus had, that when we see people, we don't necessarily see sinners, but we just see others, others that need to know who your son is. Father, open our eyes to who those are, that we might do all that we can to bring Jesus to them. It's in his name we pray. Amen.